you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Wednesday, March 8. A chance for immortality, but you'll need to die first. A Tasmanian Indigenous artist is seeking an Australian of British descent to donate their corpse for an artwork. He says it's a chance for white people to show they really care about Aboriginal Australians and aren't just into virtue signalling. Artist Nathan Maynard says he's had several volunteers already. Australia's first Indigenous Cabinet Minister, Ken Wyatt, says Anthony Albanese must provide more detail on the voice to Parliament as the idea loses ground with voters. News poll shows support for the voice has fallen from 56% in January to 53% now, with more Australians unsure on how to vote. The biggest political intelligence operation ever run in Australia. That's how our Victorian editor, Damon Johnson, is characterising a big story we're breaking today. For the first time, we can reveal what was really going on behind the scenes in Victoria's world-famous, super-strict COVID lockdown. It's a ripping yarn, and we can only tell it after a freedom of information fight that's taken two years. One of the most stark realities of life under lockdown in Victoria was that children's playgrounds were closed. Not just for a day or a weekend, for months. And they weren't just closed, there was crime scene tape around the swings and the slippery dips. Victoria had one of the longest and strictest lockdowns in the world. Well, this plan will be driven by the data and it'll be driven by the doctors and... I'll follow the advice. My job is following the public health advice. The health advice will always guide us. But I think Victorians, having been through all that we've been through, we know what it's like to be locked down for months, and we're all, I think, committed to playing our part to avoid that happening. Victorians have got this. On March 16, 2020, Premier Dan Andrews declared a state of emergency. Two weeks later, he closed children's playgrounds and gyms, weddings were limited to five guests and funerals to just ten mourners. This is critically important. We cannot have people out socialising, gathering as if this wasn't happening. Uh, We've got to protect the health system. We've got to save lives. We've got to protect jobs as well. Uh, This is very, very important that people do the right thing. We learned during COVID that Australia sometimes behaves more like a federation of states than a united nation. While people in New South Wales might think of themselves as Australians, almost everyone else has an identity as a Victorian or a West Australian, a Tasmanian or a Territorian. Queensland became a fortress state. I want to send a very clear message, people, to stay in your state and stay in your suburb. In Perth, Premier Mark McGowan carved Western Australia off the continent's edge. But I have a clear message to people over east. If you're not a West Australian and you want to come to Western Australia, don't come. We don't want you. Stay at home. 
and New South Wales got most of the blame. Gladys Bottle's office, you're speaking with Carla. How can I help you today? Dan the man from Melbourne. Listen, Dan, she doesn't like you. Because you're rude. But nobody went harder than Daniel Andrews, the two-term Labor Premier, who started a war with the federal government and fronted up every day in characteristic, aggressive fashion. We're sort of going around in circles now a bit. Again, I'm not commenting one way or the other on any of those issues. I think that's probably the 15th time I've said it. The answer won't change. I believe these documents show that Daniel Andrews has run probably one of the biggest political intelligence operations ever seen in Australia. That's Damon Johnson, The Australian's Victorian editor. He spent the past two years fighting to reveal a huge story we're publishing today, what was really going on behind the scenes as Andrews cast himself as the warrior premier, keeping Victorians safe. The government was conducting taxpayer-funded research about not just masks and hand sanitizer, but what voters thought about Dan Andrews and whether he was a strong leader. I think what these documents that we're publishing today goes some way to explaining is the extent of the Andrews government's political intelligence operation. It's cost taxpayers well over $2 million. It's been running since 2016. It's been very effective. He's been re-elected. And the detailed, relentless nature of this research through focus groups and online surveys, not just about the pandemic, but certainly through the pandemic, certainly, in my view, informed the government's decisions during that period. Now, the Premier and the government have always maintained that it was primarily health advice that guided the lockdowns. That may well be the case, but when you read these documents, you'll see that they were also likely that they were informed by this QDOS advice. The secret polling Damon's obtained runs through 2020, from when COVID first hit in January to the beginning of lockdowns in March and through the rest of that year, as Victorians got used to wartime conditions, overnight curfews, citizens being asked to show their identity documents to prove they weren't far from home, and the locking down of public housing towers, something Victoria's own ombudsman would later find was a breach of human rights. You've been up close to a lot of very senior political leaders over your journalistic career. Where do you rank this in its totality among what you've seen in terms of backroom skullduggery, the sort of things that politicians do? Daniel Andrews runs probably the best equipped, most comprehensive political strategy office in the country. His $2 million political strategist, uh, guy called John Armitage, who runs a company called Kudos, has worked with the Premier since the early 2000s when they came into each other's orbit in the Victorian ALP. But since 2016, he's moved to the public payroll. Since then, he's uh, tracked public sentiment across a whole range of issues. So when the pandemic hit in March of 2020, who did the Premier turn to to provide him with some answers? None other than John Armitage and Kudos. What difference does it make that taxpayer funds were used to do this kind of research? The QDOS documents show that while aspects of the QDOS research were legitimate public health 
topics such as washing hands, social isolation, mask wearing. Governments probably needed to know what the public were thinking about these issues during the pandemic. However, the research also shows that Acudos's research was, I guess, testing the views of Victorians about lockdown measures such as the curfew, such as the five-kilometre zone travel limit, such as the metro regional divide, such as the closure of businesses. Now, the government may argue that that still is defined as health advice, but I think there's an alternative description, and I think that is political advice. I think this intelligence helped him gain confidence that the messages that he was giving were hitting home. I think it gave him confidence to appear in those 100-plus daily press conferences. The issue here is, should taxpayers' funds have been used on some of these uh, questions? Now, according to the QDOS Cabinet in Confidence analysis of some of this research, they were clearly testing public sentiment around the performance of Dan Andrews. Now, that's not a public health issue. That's a political issue. Whenever someone, including from the mainstream media, tried to question the Andrews government's strategy, a horde of social media fans would slap them down. How much individual stupidity can you possibly blame on Daniel Andrews and his government? Answer, all of it. That's what the press is attempting to do anyway. Our Victorian political correspondent, Rachel Baxendale, was bombarded with online hate for her reporting of issues like why rural Victorians were locked down even though there was no COVID in the country. Dan Andrews was supremely confident in joining the pylon. If someone by themselves in regional Victoria going for a walk, you know, and there's no one else in the same square kilometre as them, it's a bit silly for them to have to wear a mask though, isn't it? But what's the, what's the issue, Rachel? What's like, well, seriously, what's that issue? Now we know where that confidence came from. Rachel Baxendale was playing an important role on behalf of the public, in my view, probing the Premier on public interest issues to try and get answers. And there wasn't a lot of information coming forth at various times. Rachel and many of the other reporters in the, in the gallery and more broadly through Victoria had to work very hard. There was a lot of public criticism, particularly on Twitter. Journalists shouldn't be uh, quarantined from criticism, in my view, but at times it did get very personal. And on TikTok, Andrews became something of a folk hero. That's your civic duty. That's what's most important. And that's what must be done. Beers, beers, beers. Coming up, Damon Johnson's behind-the-scenes battle to bring you this story. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. One of the definitions of journalism is that it's something that someone doesn't want you to know. 
Damon Johnson is a former editor of Victoria's hard-hitting tabloid, The Herald Sun. So when his standard freedom of information request came back covered in black lines, he knew he was onto something. Why have they fought so hard to keep this out of the public domain? Well, that's a very good question. It's one I've been asking for two and a half years. I got a dump of documents in July of 2021. Um, However, many hundreds of pages were either totally redacted or heavily redacted. The Australian then appealed those redactions. We prevailed in the Information Commissioner's decision in May of last year. He overturned pretty much every redaction that we appealed. However, with just uh, 50-odd minutes to go before that two-week deadline for the government to lodge an appeal expired, the Department of Premier and Cabinet lodged its own appeal. That took the case into the Victorian Civil and Administrative Appeals Tribunal. More lawyers, more delays. The Department of Premier and Cabinet stuck to its guns and refused to back down on its redactions. Then, about a week ago, they surrendered. Quite extraordinarily, they just handed over all the documents that the Information Commissioner ordered they hand over. Now, this avoided going to a VCAT hearing in about a month. However, it did achieve an important political point for the government, which I believe was that it kicked this story beyond last November's election. He was returned in dramatic style at the 2022 election. How much do you think this research the confidence that he gained from that and the memory of lockdown or the feeling that Victorians had about him as their defender played into that election result? Look, I think you'd have to say that the uh, election result endorsed his strategy. There's no other conclusion that you can arrive at. It wasn't just a narrow victory. John Armitage advises his political clients, and uh, we've written about this aspect today as well, Armitage advises his political clients to antagonise their opponents because he says by antagonising your opponents, you render them incoherent. And on that measure, you'd have to say that Dan Andrews has been very successful. The Liberal Party in Victoria is a rump. They've yet to provide any competition to Dan Andrews, who's now been in office for 3,000 days. Damon Johnson is The Australian's Victorian editor. Well, we knew it was coming. Another rise from the Reserve Bank yesterday. The 10th jump in the target cash rate in as many months. But there is a glimmer of hope for your mortgage. The bank has softened its language about the need to clamp down on inflation. You can read all about that right now at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.